You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out the Navigator Series, it's a brand new lineup from Lacrosse. They have the Windrose for men and women. They also have the Atlas, and that's what I wore during my rut vacation this fall. Check them out. They're very comfortable. Uh, it's a traditional rubber boot kind of mixed with a traditional hunting hiking boot they've mashed it together and the outcome is the navigator series check it out at lacrossefootwear.com that's what i call pro talk when you really don't know that you just make it up My rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going. This is really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there entertain us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutledge here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig Fitz of Train Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two I know. Hey, everybody. Pro Talk Outdoors coming to you in the month of December. So the, the calendar has turned to the final month of the year, and for most folks, that'll be the final chapter of deer season. So, you know, the story's up to you. Write your own story you know write your own book finish the novel the way you want it, now, hopefully if, if it's, it's already, already done yeah. hopefully it's already written for you but for us it's not and i've never killed a buck this late i know that you have but i have not yeah i have and and man i tell you what it's uh it gets a little unnerving you know sure it, it does the, the funny thing is is you know everybody get you start a season out and you're all amped up you know months and months of preparation go into it and then the season starts, and you, you keep thinking, this could be the hunt. This could be the hunt. Mm-hmm. And you get yourself amped up, and you work so hard in planning and preparation, and then those hunts start going by one, two, They click five, off so fast. 15, 20 hunts, and sometimes all day sits. And then it really has a way of wearing a man down. A hundred percent it does. And uh, you and I, just the, the way that we went about our business on a shared property this year was – better than ever and you know we had higher expectations than ever and we had quality deer everywhere and we thought man we were just set up for the most magic season and then we would look at the forecast and we had so many great days of weather fall on days that we could go hunt 
and we had uh, some good hunts, but and you had some great hunts as well. But when it came down to it, every expectation we had, we've fallen short of so far uh, in, in yeah. terms of harvest. In in terms of uh, you know punching a tag for sure. Um, I mean, I've you know I've had several opportunities on some quality deer, as I know you have, mm-hmm. uh, that. Most guys probably would have pulled that trigger, probably. Or, you know, or chucked that arrow out there. But we, it wasn't what would satisfy me, you know, in the, in the deer that I passed up. So I, you know, I just elected to pass. And um, and it's funny you go through that transition, you know, of what hunting means to you at whatever stage you are in your hunting career. Um, you know, I've been at this for for over thirty years. You, you haven't been at it very long, but you've progressed rapidly. Um, but I, you know, ten years ago, I've I've passed up three deer that I would have loved to have shot ten years ago, you know, and been tickled with. But you know, it just uh, kind of passed that point where I don't feel like I have to fill a tag, although sure. I do feel some pressure a little bit, you know, having our interrupt series that I want to fill a tag, but I'm not going to fill a tag just for the sake of showing somebody a kill on video. Well, luckily, I mean, we don't ever try to portray ourselves on that show because it's named Inner Rut, essentially from struggles that we've had, nor do we on this show that uh, we're experts or legendary big buck hunters. Uh, we've ran into some good deer in the past and, and made a couple of good decisions to create our own luck, but we're far from legends, So, uh, and we're having real-world, everyday struggles right now. And with that in mind, you know, we're looking at the month of December Hopefully some really cold temperatures to help us out because essentially oh, yeah. you've lost your morning and your midday action for the most part, and you're really looking at that last two hours of the day. Now, I drove from Lexington, Kentucky, actually east of Lexington today to get here, over two and a half, well, about two and a half hours to get here. Uh, along the way, I saw 21 deer between Lexington and Louisville. That's pretty good numbers. Between, That's very good numbers. Between the hours of 2.30 and now. Yeah, that's really good numbers. Better but, than I expected. But when I crossed the bridge, they I, gone. Saw, I saw zero. <laughs> and I even took a back way to get here. I came up Highway 3, and I didn't see a single deer. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, depending on what state you're looking to target right now, I think you can either expect what you normally get in December, or if you're and in Indiana, who let me knows ask you, what you're going to get. And let me ask you this question, JP. What's your thoughts on this? What do you think that the the factor is there that Kentucky's firearm season went out a week prior to Indiana's firearm season, which just went out two days ago. I think it's definitely You think indicative. that might have something to do with the fact that some of those deer are getting a little more comfortable in Kentucky and starting to show themselves a little bit more? A hundred percent, but I'm not giving any credit to Kentucky. In fact, I'm going to take some away here. Uh, that state does a tremendous job of managing its fish and wildlife. I think Kentucky does a great job. Indiana does well, too, but Kentucky is top-notch. However, if I could change one thing about that state, I would make their gun season one week later. And the reason I say that is it's coming in the second week of November in some really peak seeking and chasing activity. It sure is. And that's costing a lot of good bucks. And right now Kentucky's right on the edge of that top five deer hunting state in the United States right now. They're like number six-ish in most people's polls. I think you could see that state go to three, four, or five if they would just move that back by a week and give it four or five years to see what happens. The quality of bucks and the number of bucks, it's only going to go up. There's thousands and thousands of Kentucky gun hunters right now cussing you through their radio. <laughs> I'll give them my phone number if they want to uh, call, and we can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, you, the, you know, the, uh, the statistics are there. Look at states, Ohio, um, Illinois, 
you know, they have late gun seasons, late firearm seasons. Iowa, it's a late firearm season. You don't need any more, more advantage. They're, they're shorter firearm seasons, and they're later in the year. Get post-rut or, you know, later in the rut at least anyway, not that seeking phase at the front side of it. And, you know, it doesn't take uh, doesn't take too many uh, years of that, and I think it would definitely have an effect on uh, the age structure in the deer class. 100%. But, hey, you know, while we're on the subject, we need to give somebody a chance to educate us. Oh, and we got a good one, too. I, I know we do, and, and we need to talk about how to hunt in December and what you really need to do when that calendar turns to put yourself in good shape because clearly you and I are going to need the help. We'll be back in just a moment. Hang tight. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. It's December, and it's getting late in the season. And while not all is lost if you haven't harvested your deer yet, you can still get out there and get it done. It's also a time for a lot of guys to start reflecting on mistakes made or maybe planning for next year on what they can do to correct their issues and maybe have a better season in 2020. Well, one thing I'm already planning on is what food plots am I going to put out there? Real World Wildlife Products offers a wide range of variety from spring plots or summer plots, including clover, chicory blend, or the Generation 2 soybeans, or some fantastic fall plots, Deadly Dozen, Whitetail Harvest, Salad. It, there's lots and lots to choose from. So do yourself a favor. Go to www.realworldwildlifeproducts.com. Check out their lineup today and start planning for a better 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pro Talk Outdoors. In the open, we teased a little bit. Heck, we didn't really tease it. We got right into the nuts and bolts uh, about hunting late-season bucks. But before we dive into that, uh, we want to give our guest, Kyle Harmon, a chance to talk about this unbelievable buck that he shot named Uno. Now, Kyle, I understand that, you know, obviously you guys are, are doing a lot with, with video, and, and you've had a little bit of a history with this buck, but what can you tell us about leading up this season into getting a chance at Uno and, and what that feeling was when you finally got it done? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, so I've been watching Uno since 2014, actually, and – I won't go into all the details from that point up until this season, but long story short, he summered in the same place, but the deer did not live on our ground. Uh, I did have encounters with him, usually at least a couple, if not a few, every season. And then um, last year I came very close, um, but then this year came, and there's another buck that's part of the story, and I shot this buck actually on November 8th, and I called him a uh, Titanic. Well, he was an old, older great big bodied uh bully buck that pushed off a lot of great deer and i really honestly felt like i needed to shoot this deer in case you know did come on the ground and that way you know he didn't get pushed off and this whether it's by coincidence or not i'm not sure but i shot titanic buck on november 8th and then i didn't hunt again until november 12th morning because i had to go back to work and do some uh daddy daycare stuff but um on november 12th morning i had my first ever encounter of 2019 with uno and he uh he was following a doe and he went back into this certain place uh like a tsi basically a timber stand improvement and i was confident i could get a crack at him that afternoon and went in there and sure enough he came out with like six or seven does and he was starting to come out and I wasn't able to take the shot 52 yards. 
I know I can make that shot in the backyard and everything, but on a deer, it's a whole different scenario. And I just didn't want to risk it. So I elected to pass that shot and the deer went off chasing each other wild, you know, crazy. And then November 13th morning, uh, by the way, November 12th, I'm not sure what it was like over there, but November 12th and 13th. Bitter cold. Both days, they were cold. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think part of my body still froze up there to the tree stand. It was cold both days. But, uh, yeah, November 13th morning, I got, I got lucky because my, uh, my sister-in-law volunteered to take my daughter to daycare, so I didn't have to take her that morning. And um, I went and sat in the stand and didn't see a single deer yet. And then at 7.30, I just happened to look over my left. The one and only deer I saw that morning up to that point, there's Uno. And he's at 30 yards coming right to me. And my first reaction was, how? How in the world did he get to where he is without me seeing him at 30 yards? So I have to get the camera turned on, the microphone turned on. I mean, this deer is 30 yards on a on a steady walk, basically. And, and you were self-filming this at this point. You were self-filming, weren't you? At this point, what? You were self-filming at this point, weren't you? Yes, yes. I'm by myself in the tree stand. Yeah, self-filming. So my camera and camera arm is on the left side of the tree. My bow is on the right side of the tree, and I'm facing the tree. I set the stand purposely like this because there's not a lot of cover. So the deer, I wanted to be on the back side of the tree. So basically the tree would be between me and the deer to give me a little bit more of an edge instead of sticking out like a sore thumb. And uh, it about cost me the deer, to be honest. But uh, I also think it could have cost me if I stuck out like a sore thumb and you saw me coming through this pinch. Uh, so I, I don't know. But how it played out, he's on the left side of the tree working to my right. So the camera's on my left. I initially tried to take my bow from the right after I got the camera set and go over my safety strap and once I got over my safety strap and on that side of the tree I realized there's no way I can make that shot because my camera arm was in the way and by the time I would have moved, adjusted all that it would have been already over so I decided to go back over my safety rope again and as I'm doing that my broadhead just barely catches the tree and and pulls off the tree and just makes a little ding in my uh arrow rest and I just froze but the deer never heard it he did the uno did not hear it and he just kept walking so I got over on the right side of the tree I knew the I knew the spot that the king I knew where I needed to get him stopped and I, I as quick as humanly possible I grunted and stopped him came to full draw I mean this whole thing took place in a matter I think it was 18 seconds wow and you know, uh, that's amazing yeah, so, how everything has to I'll go be, right I'll be yeah, and I'll be honest, it was 20 yards. I rushed because, I mean, I was in a frantic mode. I'm pretty sure I didn't get my uh, my peep sight all the way lined up with my eye, and I shot a little forward. And uh, if you watch the video, you see, you know, I'm not real excited at first because I'm watching the deer. and But I noticed after he runs about 60 yards that he is hurting really bad. Um, so he disappears over this little bitty ridge. He's went maybe a total of... 70 yards at this point and I can no longer see him but if he would come out on either any direction I would be able to see him so I just sat there and waited and waited and waited what seemed like forever but actually might have been like five minutes <clears throat> and at that point I just decided to pack up all my stuff 
get down, go back to the truck, give him four or five hours, and come find him. You know, it's only 7.45 in the morning, 7.30 in the morning. So I have all day. I'm not worried about it. And um, as I get my last thing packed up, I happen to look back over there, and I see him, and he's laying down on the, the opposite ridge, face of that opposite ridge. So maybe 10 yards from where I last saw him. And I and I knew right away that the deer had to move. So so Uno moved at least ten yards from where I last saw him, and and because he was in the wide open, there's no doubt in my mind that he moved, because now I can see him clear as as all get out. And the deer was bedded down, facing away, and quartering away from from my position. So I decided at that time to lower my bow. I had the wind right. Everything was good. And I was going to stock up to him and see if I could shoot him again. And that's exactly what I did. I stocked up to within 40 yards of him and was able to get another arrow in him. He got up, went 60 yards, and uh, did the whole uh, horizontal tail flicker really hard. And I moved one step over to try to get a better vantage point looking through my binoculars. And I lost him in my binos. And when I tried stepping back over to where I was last watching him, I didn't see him anymore. And I knew I would have seen him run off or walk off, but I didn't see him. So I thought, be safe than sorry. I grabbed a, I went to the impact location of the second shot, grabbed that arrow, stuck it in right there where he was laying down, and went back to the truck, and I called good friend and tracking star uh, Ron Slifer and, and Dio. And, you know, it wasn't too much longer later they came, and sure enough, he was laying right there where I, where I did last see him. So, yeah, I I know that that buck had uh, had been on your mind for a long, long time, and uh, I don't I don't want to get into too much of the detail because I, I number two two reasons one is I want everybody to go to uh, the Team Radical YouTube page and watch this hunt unfold and see the story. It's a remarkable video you put together with the history of it and. Um, it, one of the better videos that I've ever watched that tells an entire story on a magnificent buck. So uh, I want everybody to do that. But also, uh, I think you're going to be on uh, Nine Finger Chronicles with uh, Big Dan Johnson here before long, right? So, uh, and and yes, I think sir. you guys are probably going to talk about uh, Uno on that quite a bit. So what I'd like yes, to sir. do, Kyle, because I know you're you're kind of a big buck uh, hammer over there in Illinois, and and I know you've killed some late, late in the season. Um, uh -huh. I'd kind of like to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, targeting late season bucks. And, and maybe it's a situation where you don't have a deer to hunt right now because you know they're all, you know, it's kind of blown out from gun season and um, you know neighboring pressure locating a big buck to hunt, or maybe you know where one's at and how do you move in on them. So let's, I guess, let's just start at the very beginning there, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, so, do you, what do you do to find one right now? Well, um, right now, I mean, I, I feel like you are in a tough, especially with the weather we've been having. I mean, we've been having warmer weather than I like. But to be honest, right now, this time, I am, I am focusing more on family time and catching up and earning some hunt tokens back with the wife. <laughs> Good and, call. You know, that, typically that's what I'm honestly doing this this time of year. Had I not be tagged out this year, that's what I'd be doing. Um, and then towards about the middle of December, that's when I go into full full blown late season mode. And 
the reason for that is because I feel like the deer shift too, especially when you get the colder weather to come, you can start focusing more on the food sources. But I will say even this time of year, one thing that I've noticed that really seems to work is if you have the colder, really cold weather, and obviously, you know, a lot of times they like to go to those grains, whether it's soybeans or, or go to the corn, and, and they'll focus on them. But when you get that warm-up, that first warm-up, and for after a after super cold weather, what I've noticed is they really, really like going to greens. So if you've got a farmer that's done a double crop, whether it's winter wheat, whether, like in my case, I'm harvest salad or uh, clover and chicory from real world, uh, I, I focus on them a lot, and I see a lot of deer come out of the woodwork coming into those greens on, on a first warm-up after super cold weather, uh, and, and you can see a lot of deer. And the other thing, too, with getting into later season is a lot of times new bucks will show up. You know, I feel like with the gun seasons, and we're between them right now, our next gun season actually starts this Thursday. So we're, we're not done with our gun seasons yet, but... Typically, they're gonna they're gonna hold up in those you know smaller fence rows right now. They're gonna hold up in into those places that you really wouldn't consider any other time of the year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And are you pretty much done with mornings at, at this point of the season? I Absolutely. mean, absolutely, yeah, hundred percent done. Yep, whether I was bucked out or not, I'd be hundred percent done right now. Yep. Um, me personally. So what I what I try to focus as late season is I focus late season almost identical to early season. As crazy that may sound, because early season I do not hunt mornings, basically ever unless I see, you know, there's a deer consistent daylight yet that you can move in on and not get busted getting in or out. Which um, is a super rare I, occasion. Right, exactly. It doesn't happen hardly ever. So I focus. I, I honestly, I think I think of it almost as as early season, late season as early season. Hunt almost essentially in the same aspect, same way. Other than you know, late season when it gets cold, especially if you get snow. I mean, w- without question, if I have snow, I'm going to beans. I mean, all day, every day, I'm going to I'm going to the standing beans if I got them. If not, I'm looking for you know the the double croppers or you know, Dave. I know I, we talked on the last podcast I was on with you, we talked about a lot of people don't pay attention to their fields right now. You know, some farmers till their fields under, some farmers don't. Uh, that's something I would definitely be focusing on, especially if they do do uh, double row crops because they, they, they know where that's at and they will be there in the later season if they have nothing else to, uh, to, to feed on, you know. Well, Kyle, let's hit the second part of that, that question then. What, what if you do have a buck that, has been on your property historically for a couple years, and uh, you've seen him in in one or two main core areas, and haven't really been able to to pin him down so far this season. How can you use this time of year against him? Is it some of those same tactics, or are you using some of that other intel and doing some things out of the box? You're saying if historically going off of a buck that you already have history with, yes. Um, and, and how to get an edge on him this time of year, or, or would I wait? Because me personally, I would wait uh, just to the, the later part of season because I feel like if – I mean, if, if the history is there and consistency is there, there's no doubt I'm going in there. But if it's not consistent and it's kind of random, I am going to I'm going to wait. I'd rather not pressure it. Like I said, he's probably holed up somewhere – 
in a fence row or, you know, somewhere that you probably don't even think about right now because, you know, he's still, he's still, you know, in shock from the, from the gun season and, and wore down from the rut. So I will honestly wait until a little bit later in the season when I know for sure the vast majority of all deer are going to be focusing on food sources especially that brings colder weather that just pushes them that much more to the food sources. Let me and, ask you this question, Kyle. So we, we've got an, an, uh, an area that, and we've got history with a buck that was in a certain location um, mid-December is when he showed up basically last year. And it's mm-hmm. an area that has a ton of white oaks, a lot of acorns. And the, the unique thing about this is, is for whatever reason – this area does not get hit by deer very much. It's almost void of deer, very low deer pressure uh, throughout much of the season. But there's a ton, and I'm talking walk on, walking across the ground, you're going to break your ankles on the acorns. Mm-hmm. He was there so last my, year. My, so my first question would be, uh, what were the conditions when you got those pictures or had those encounters? Su- super cold, mid to late December. Some snow, snow, or no snow. snow, some snow on the ground. Some, not a lot. Some. Okay. Near any other food sources? No, no. Nope. It's just those acorns on it's, the top it's of big a ridge. Woods, top of ridge, big woods. Big woods. So it's you don't think he's bedding in there? You think he's passing through? No, we found his bed probably 80, 90 yards from this area Dave is describing. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where I know he was there in December last year. I, I found his shed. Um, so I know he's there through January, but I don't know that, that he summers there and I don't know that he's there early fall. I, I mean, he's just, he was there uh-huh. December, January, probably February at least. And I don't know when he moved out of it. It was one of those deals where we just, it's so hard to get into. We just didn't pressure the area whatsoever. We didn't, we didn't get in there at all. Um, we basically banked on, we know he's there late season. We know he lived. We're going to bank on him coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, but you know, the the thing that you kind of say there, it kind of rings a bell with me too, because I've got an acorn ridge that's full of white oaks, like you're, like you're talking about. And I kind of wonder too, that maybe if, you know, typically when you have a white oak flat or whether it's a ridge, whatever, it's more open than, than, uh, you know, your, your thick stuff. And I feel like more sunlight gets in there and it keeps them might, you know, keep them a little warmer and they, their visibility is is really strong and what i was talking about with specifics on the on the what i was also talking about with specifics is was there certain wind directions that you saw him more than not um because i know certainly that that plays a huge role in the bucks that i chase you know um uno in particular for whatever reason really liked a certain area on northwest wind yeah, I mean, that's actually that's the way you know. From what I remember looking last year, the days that we got uh, pictures of him, it was with northwest winds. Northwest winds. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And then the other thing is, you, you didn't say there's any other food source real close by. Well, what field is there? Any fields anywhere close by? And if there are, are they tilled under, or are they? Or they just are they no-tilled fields, or are they just grass well, fields? I would say to the west, there is a quarter mile away. There's some crop fields, but 
It's uh, straight down they, the mountain. They re- well, they, they really <laughs> didn't get planted this year. They no. were all underwater. Now, to the east, about a quarter mile, we have some deadly dozen uh, clover chicory, and we also got some, uh, or I, I said deadly dozen, didn't I? Real world clover chicory, and we have some deadly dozen there as well. So, um, and how far how far did you say that was, Dave? About another got about a quarter mile to yeah. the east of it. Yeah, quarter mile to the east, and yeah. you don't have pictures of him in that. Nope. nope, never, never got a picture of him in there. No kidding. Yep, well, that's crazy. Well. Every deer has their own personality and in their own traits. And, I mean, in that case, for sure, you, you just got to base it on the history. I mean, um, maybe he does like the acorns, you know. Maybe he's eating those acorns. I, I, I That's crazy to say that late, you know, passing up a, a green food source that's that nearby. And uh, I guess did you have those food sources there consistently over the last Last year couple years we did, yeah. yeah. Last couple years we've had them there. So, um, it's know, almost like he doesn't know that it's there because he lives elsewhere, and where we've gotten the yeah. photo is just the edge of where he lives. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, so, I mean, and, and another thing, too, is with the late season, when it gets colder, it's like the deer have to move more often. They don't have to necessarily move a long distance but they move more often. And I feel like that's why we see, at least in my case, why I see more deer in late season uh, on a regular basis than I do throughout the any other time of the season. It's because they're they're cold. I mean, visualize you. If you were standing out, well, if you were hunting November 12th or 13th, you could sit there for for three or four hours. I mean, (laughs) yeah, you had had to move around every once in a while to stay warm. Well, I kind of feel deer are in the same boat. You know, they – they want to move around a little bit, whether they walk 10 yards, they walk 100 yards or 200 yards, you know, take, taking their cruise. Um, that, that I feel like, definitely plays a role for late season, too. Is, uh, there especially a, if you get, is there a particular temperature or date on the calendar for somebody that's listening to this uh, that they could use as kind of a general rule of thumb to start paying attention to uh, these trends that you're talking about? Yeah, so I like to start right around Christmas time, to be honest. Uh Matter of fact, I passed a really good buck last year that I'm kind of kicking myself for doing the day after Christmas, the 26th. Uh, never saw the buck on camera all season long whatsoever. Didn't see him, nothing. And then December 26th, I went and hunted the, the real world soybean plot, and there he came. He came right out there, and he came fed into the beans, had him at 30 yards, and I couldn't make up my mind. and I'm one of those guys that if I question myself, I'm not going to shoot. Well, I questioned myself, so I didn't shoot. But after reviewing the footage, I probably should have shot. <laughs> I got one of those this but, year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it all worked out this year. I, You know, blessed for a year that I had this year. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, late December I really like, and especially um, January all the way through the rest of the season is is really my favorite time for late season now that can all change though too because most of the times at least here where i'm at a lot of times we don't have a, get a good snow or anything until close to that point but if we would get a, a hard snow right now and get you know in the in the double digit or single digit numbers or even the the teens i promise you i'd be out there on a food source uh, whether it was standing beans, uh, whatever I had, greens, 
um, anything whatsoever the deer can get to, I would definitely be out there. I'm a huge fan of snow. It, I just feel like the deer have to move more, and uh, and and they they're looking for food. It's so, uh, it seems but, like it's just a hundred percent weather dependent late season. So I mean, it's one of those things where guys just got to do some bad weather dances, man. You gotta you gotta hope for you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get that and, nasty and, weather. Yeah, and I'm and like I said, don't count out those warm up days either because if you get those teens and uh, you know low twenties and you got snow on the ground, say you got it for three four days, you're hunting those you know food sources or you know standing beans whatnot, and then you have a warm up day, say it gets thirty five forty degrees and that snow melts off. I've noticed a big trend in those deer shifting to the green, you know whether it's for a day or two until it gets cold again they'll smash those greens for a while and when i say greens i'm talking just about anything whether it's for me harvest salad and clover and chicory i'm sure you you guys deadly doesn't and you know they they really focus on those i don't really have the answer why but um they they do i mean the trail camera pictures and the encounters don't lie for me well i mean it kind of makes sense though and you know when you're talking cold weather when it gets really nasty and cold you've got they're hitting those soybeans it's got such a high oil content you know it warms them up it gives them energy and then they don't want to be warm and they don't want that you know high oil content whenever the temperatures come up but they're still putting their feed bag on because they know that bad weather is a factor right yeah yeah Uh, that's exactly right i'm sure i'm sure that is definitely a a part of it like i said i I don't have the the definite answer, no scientific evidence for that, just based on solely what I've encountered and monitored through my cameras. I mean, I'm pretty particular about that, and the beautiful thing about filming your stuff, and I don't know if you guys do this, but I know I certainly do, is I log every single hunt from every single season on my hard drive. I log every single trail camera picture, uh, specific locations, and, you know, I, I will dig through those for hours upon hours studying why they did that, when they did that, and that has been a key factor in targeting specific bucks, for sure. Well, I can tell you I haven't done that good enough, but I I, I go back and look at it, but I I can tell you right now, Kyle, I'm not as organized as I should be, but that's a great idea, and I'm going to get organized like that because you've definitely had the success, the proven success. Well, I mean, the the bad part is, Dave, is we all have lives and we all are busy and and time, you know, time is always of, of, of the essence. So what I like to do, you know, when I put the kids to bed or whatever at night, I'll, I'll usually wait, you know, uh, a week at a time, and I'll take that footage off the card. I'll dump it right into, and, you know, the beautiful thing on a computer, it shows you what date those were recorded. It tells you the time as long as your camera's right. Yep. And, and you watch that, and then you just throw that into a folder, and uh, you circle back to it if it's not a deer you're after that year or whatnot. And and same same thing with trail cameras, you know. Every pull you get, just uh, take an hour out of your time. You know, don't don't study the deer as much as what the deer is actually doing, and, and where they're doing it. And um, I, I feel like you'll be a lot more successful, especially if you're targeting a specific buck in the hist- in the in the future. Well, Kyle, experience is the, the greatest teacher, that's for sure. Uh, before we let you go, man, we want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody where they can keep up with what you and Team Radical are doing as well as where they can find the story of Uno. Yeah, so you can go on the Team Radical YouTube uh, channel, and I think it's the most recent video we've posted, I believe, yeah. 
and that gives a really good story uh, for the most part of, of Uno and uh, the trials and tribulations and just the mental game that it really required chasing that deer. And I, I'm sure I lost probably a couple of years off my life chasing that deer, but I yeah, uh, see my wife's reaction and kids and everything, that made it all worth it. But uh, you could also follow us on Facebook, Team Radical on Facebook, on Instagram, Team underscore Radical on Instagram. And, uh, you know, we, we've posted a lot of stuff on there of Uno, and there will definitely be more coming down the pipe in the in the near future too. So I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, I hope you uh, tag one of those late-season bucks, uh, Dave, that you were talking about. Well, I hope I Dave does too. I hope JP doesn't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, we both have uh, have some tags in our pocket, and uh, we're gonna we're itching to get some cold weather and get out there, buddy. Sounds good. Well, best of luck to both of you. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, brother. All right, guys. I uh, hope you've enjoyed talking a little bit about late season bucks as well as hearing from Kyle on just how, uh, how special Uno was and the road to get there. So, you know, the funny thing about Uno is uh, I hear there can only be one, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I, shoot, I tell man. you, I, I, I got to – I feel like I'm a part of the story. I, you know, I'm a very, very small part of the Uno story, but I got a text message from Kyle back in, uh, gosh, I want to say it was in August. It was when he first got the picture of Uno this year, and mm-hmm. he was like, he sent me the picture, and it said, the story continues. I'm like, bam, the story continues. I, I felt invested in it then, and then I was, you know, I was kind of following with him all year, and, and then when he got it done, I felt like I had a small part in that. Yeah, you were probably on the group text. No. No, I was not on the group text. You know they can do those now where you don't see who else is in the group and, and all that. It I was not on the group text, I promise you. It was, it was a mass text, man. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, no, the, the information he shared, though, was, was great and uh, accurate. And, and some things you and I have already talked about over the last few days. We hung what I think is an absolute dynamite set now. We hung a couple in the summer that we thought were dynamite. We did have some good hunts out of them, but no harvest. But I really believe the one that we hung uh, over the weekend is going to give us an opportunity to get on a buck. I mean, we, we saw some great sign and some giant tracks. We hung a camera up. So, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Man, I keep reminding myself as I go through this deal what Bill Winkie always says. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Man, we're closing in at the end of that marathon, though. It's, it's uh, getting late. It's getting late. But, man, what we have learned a ton this year. And, yeah. And we're fine-tuning our approach, and we're getting really, really close. And, uh, you know, like you said and like I've said several times this season, I think we're about to get it done. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and uh, if you guys follow us on social media or uh, reach out to us via phone or anything else, you'll – You'll be among the first to know because I have to say that uh, whenever it does happen for one of us, and I still think somebody's going to fill a tag, uh, it's going to be a party. And it's going to be be very rewarding that the hard work that's gone into this season and the uh, sweat equity, as you like to say, uh, is going to pay off at some point or another. Or, you know what, maybe it doesn't. And then we've got some real beast of deer left yeah, to hunt next year. You know, maybe <laughs> Absolute the tanks. maybe the lessons that we learn will be our reward for this season. And and I'm fine with that if that's the case. But man, I'd sure like to have something to 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 throw on a a, a plate and eat. 
Oh, there's going to be another doe you know, go down over yeah, there for me. Yeah, I've shot one. To, there's a second one coming. I'm, I'm with you. I think at the bare minimum, I probably need to put another doe in the freezer. We've got good numbers on that farm. So. Oh, we've got almost too many. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. We hey, stay tuned, guys. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. We appreciate you listening to another ep- another episode. Until next time, hook them or hunt them. Later, guys. Thank <laughs> you.